The CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... Come in. Welcome. I'm E.G. Marshall. Life, the philosophers tell us, is a journey. It is the story of the road we took and the people we met. And when that road crosses with another, it is the story of the choice we made. But what of the choice we didn't make and of the people we never met and of the fascinating country we never visited, the land of might have been? Here's the fellow I want you to meet, Tom Ditson. Well, where does he come from? Well, I suppose you could say he comes from inside my head. Dudley, are you all right? I thought him up. Well, you're a writer, too. Haven't you ever created characters? Yes, but none of them that ever... It happens to all of us eventually. Your turn will come. Our mystery drama... The Left Hand of God was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Sam Dan and stars Norman Rose and Robert Dryden. I shall return shortly with Act One. what writers talk about when they get together these days? It's mostly about agents and pre-production deals and residuals. After all, why should writers be more altruistic than, say, ballplayers? But in the good old days, when only the rich people had money, writers would sit around and talk about plots and characters and all sorts of literary things like that. And we would talk about other writers, too. My name is Sam Clemens, but I suppose you know me better as Mark Twain. This really isn't my story. It belongs to another writer. Partly to disguise him, I'll call him Dudley Everett. You won't guess his name, so don't even try. Well, one winter's night, must have been in 1907, I was sitting in my rooms in Greenwich Village in New York City. Sam. Evening, Dudley. Sam, you got to save me. From what? From what? I don't know. Maybe from myself. Oh, you just take off your coat and sit down. I don't plan to stay that long. Well, where are you bound? Back home. Provided. Yes, provided. You come with me. All the way up to 14th Street at this hour? Please, Sam. Dudley, what is the matter? I'm afraid to be by myself. Oh, you should have gotten married. And then you'd never be alone. Man's wife can die on him. He's still alone, isn't he? No, I'm not alone. Everywhere I go, Livy is still with me. I close my eyes. I can see her. We talk. I'm never by myself. I always have her company. Sam, I came here for help. How can I help a man of 67 who tells me he's scared to be alone? It's too late. Too late, Dudley. You have to live the best way you can with what you've got. With whatever memories you made for yourself. 
You've got to come home with me. But it's snowing. I've got a cab waiting outside. Well, it's cruel to make a horse work on a night like this. Well, if we won't, somebody else will. The driver still has to earn his living. Ah, Dudley, why do you want me to come with you? If I told you, you'd pack me into that cab and take me right up to Bellevue Hospital. Whatever it is, can't you tell me about it right here? No. Well, why not? Because this isn't the right environment. Oh, come now. I'm not crazy. I didn't say you were, Dudley. Believe me. I believe you. I'm not crazy. And I've done you a few good turns in my day. Uh, I don't seem to recall. But didn't I introduce you to Bruce Bosworth, the new editor at Everybody's Magazine? And didn't he swindle me out of $350? Anybody who would sign such a stupid contract... Please, Sam, it's a matter of life and death. Oh, is that all? You know, for a minute I was afraid it might be something serious. He was really a good fella most of the time. He would have done the same for me. Or would he? I'm not so sure. Anyway, we went out into that bitter night and finally arrived at his home. I was still no wiser. Well, Dudley... Why have you brought me here? Sam, how long have you been a writer? Well, let's see. I published The Jumping Frog of Calaveras County back in 65. Sam, have you ever met any of your characters? <laughs> of course I have. All of them. I don't mean just in your imagination. Well, I've also been a journalist. I've written about real people. What I mean is, have you ever met any of your fictional characters? I've... Pattern, many of my fictional characters after actual people. That's not what I mean. Well, what in the thunder do you mean, Dudley? Have any of your characters ever appeared to you and said, Listen, you didn't give me a fair shake? Well, thinking about it later, I may have wished I'd make a story come out different. You keep edging away from it. From what? From an actual encounter with a character you created. He becomes real. He has a life of his own. Oh, it's impossible. Why? He cannot have a life of his own. Why not? Because I have created him. And therefore, the only possible life he can have is the one that I have given him. You're saying he can have no thoughts of his own? Only those I place into his head. Sam, I'm writing a story about a young man. He's going to be hanged. Mm-hmm. Why? For murder. Well, why'd he commit the murder? Now, the reason that I ask, you're not always as strong as you might be on motivation. Sam, we mustn't argue. Just listen to me. My character's name is Tom Ditson. He's 30 years old. He kills a fellow called Harry Barnes in a jealous rage. A jealous rage? I'm motivated, believe me. Harry Barnes steals his fiancée, Martha Loomis. Steals? Well, are you sure? In real life, a fella can't really steal what he never really had. Well, I make it very logical, believable, realistic. Aha, uh -huh. that may be your problem, Dudley. Your strength as a writer is not as a realist. Now, you do best in lightweight, frothy, inconsequential, romantic... Sam, he's driving me crazy. Who? Tom, Tom Ditson. Everybody's magazine has already paid me for the story. Sam, you must help me. How? I'm going to place a sheet of paper into my typewriter. No, 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 just, just hold it. 
Now, this could be your problem. Right there. This newfangled machine. Well, how can a man think? Ah, uh, here's where I am. And now, Tom Dixon must mount the scaffold. The executioner waits. Yes? I can't get him up there. Well, why not? He won't let me. Dudley, all you have to do is write, he climbs the steps. I can't. I see his face. I hear his voice. Now, hold on, Dudley. Don't you see him? No. Don't you hear him? No. Sam, I, uh, I'm losing my mind. He's here. He's in this room. Uh, Dudley, uh, of course he is. Oh, Sam, bless you for saying that. It means I still have my sanity. <laughs> Dudley, you see, he is inside your head. That is why you can see him and hear him. You mean you don't see him or hear him? I had never heard such anguish in a human voice. What could I say to him? No, I don't see him. I don't hear him. Well, what good would that have done? So, I decided to play along. Why fight him? Uh, well, now that you mention it, Dudley, I... I think I just... What? Dudley, is that... Is that him standing there? Of course. It's Tom Dixon. Did you hear what he's saying? Well, I, I'm getting a bit deaf, you know, and I'm, I'm afraid he is mumbling. What is he saying? What he always says... You see, I'll, st I'll start to type. Now, just listen to what he says. Tom Dixon is about to climb the steps of the scaffold. No, no, don't. Please, don't make me go up there. Hear him? He's begging me for his life, Sam. I haven't got the heart to refuse him. Well, you, you tell him. Tell him what? Uh, tell him that he committed the crime and he has to pay the price. Uh, maybe. Maybe. Justice must be served, Tom. Thou shalt not kill. The Bible tells us. No, it isn't justice. It is justice, Tom. What is the problem? He won't accept it. Why should I? I didn't kill Harry. You did, Dudley Everett. You put those thoughts of violence and murder in my heart and brain. You should walk up those steps, not me. The noose belongs around your neck, not mine. Please. What is the matter now, Dudley? He won't let me execute him. Well, how can he stop you? His eyes. Don't you see his eyes? I can't do it. Oh. No, no, I know who that is. It's Bruce Bosworth, the editor. Tomorrow's the deadline. I promised him the story. What am I going to do? Deliver it. I can't. Well, you'd better. You'll never sell another to everybody's magazine. Now, let's face it. Nobody else is really clamoring for the type of story that you're turning out lately. What am I going to do? Answer the phone. Please, please, I can't face it. But him. you have to. Or he'll put it about that you cannot be depended on. He, he will ruin your reputation. Now, please, Sam. Do it for me. Please. All right. Um, hello. Yes, this is Mr. Dudley Everett's residence. Yes. 
Uh, this is the butler. How can he afford a butler? Well, that, sir, is hardly a proper question to put to me. Mr. Everett cannot be disturbed. He is writing. I cannot summon him to the phone, sir. He gave orders that he is not to be interrupted. Yes. Yes, I believe he is completing a short story for delivery tomorrow. Very good. I shall give him your message, Mr. Bosworth. Good evening. What did he say? <laughs> well, I, I got you out of it. How? You said I'd have the story ready. And you'd better. What am I going to do? How am I going to finish the story? Dudley, I told you. Type it. You're less than one short paragraph away. Yeah, Sam, I see his face. I hear his voice. All right, I'll tell you what I will do. Now, come on, get up. Get up from that chair. Uh, I, I will finish it for you. Yeah, Sam, and Look, you... we have got to put an end to this thing. Can you do it? Well, I can hang a man as good as anyone else. Now, I'll have him climb the steps. The executioner puts the noose around his neck. The trap is sprung and eternity. I hope you won't state it so baldly. No, you just let me sit down. Tom Dixon must now keep his appointment with eternity. Slowly he mounts the scaffold steps. No, no, I won't do it. You can't make me do it. Who, who, who is that? It's me, Tom Dixon. Can't you hear me? Tom? Tom Ditson? Oh, please, pl please don't kill me, please. Dudley, Dudley, I hear somebody. But you know that is impossible. To which Shakespeare has made what has now become the standard answer, there are more things in heaven and earth than are dreamed of in your philosophy, Horatio. We don't know about Horatio's philosophy, but we are familiar with Mark Twain's. Let's see how he can accommodate to these new promises in Act Two. said Sergeant Joyce Kilmer of the Rainbow Division. Poems are made by fools like me, but only God can make a tree. You would think, therefore, that only God could make a real human being as well. But somehow, some of the people who are the most real to us have been created by other human beings. Shadowy characters we encounter on a screen or in the pages of a book seem to have more reality than the flesh and blood folks we see in the street. You see him, don't you, Sam? Yes, I see him. Am I crazy? No. Can you kill him? No, I, I can't. You see? I can't, because, well, it would be murder. Why? Dudley, he is your character. You created him. But you were willing to write the last paragraph. Well, that was before I met him. Or you kill him yourself. Sam, there's got to be a way out. Dudley, why did he commit the murder? I told you. It was in a jealous rage. Uh, now, let me, let me read it. And I did. 
It wasn't a bad story. Neither was it a very good one. It was typical Dudley Everett, which appealed to a certain readership. All right, this is what he had written. Martha Loomis, the richest girl in town, was engaged to Tom Ditson, a young lawyer. Harry Bonds was a flamboyant newspaper reporter. It seems that they were sitting around in Shoemaker's Bar one evening. If it isn't Tommy Ditson, mind if I stand here? It's a public place, Harry. I hear you're due for congratulations. You've joined Billings and Highgate. Yes, I have. They're the biggest law firm in the state. Also, the most crooked. There's no evidence to support such a statement. <laughs> you mean so far they haven't been caught? Oh, you're a fine one to impugn the morality of other people. Meaning what? That scandalous newspaper you work for? It never printed a lie? Not to my knowledge. Oh, you mean you never shaped the news? We may have created the news from time to time. If that's legitimate. Is it indeed? As long as it's a story. As long as it happened. Now, for instance, if I were to steal your fiancé, that would be news, wouldn't it? <laughs> you see what I mean? Shouldn't it be printed? You know something, Mr. Stuffed Shirt Tom Ditson? She's too much woman for you. I think I'll take her for myself. And that is how Dudley started his story. Well, it uh, becomes predictable, but not most stories. It's all in how the author handles it. Anyway, a few nights later, Mr. Tom Ditson calls at his fiancée's house. Good evening, Mrs. Loomis. Oh, well, yes. Uh, good evening, Tommy. Would you tell Martha I'm here? Well, she, uh, Martha isn't home just now. She isn't? Uh, no, uh, she, uh... Yeah, but she, she was expecting me. Did she say where she was going? Tommy, uh, come on in. Is something the matter, Miss Loomis? Would you like a glass of lemonade? Oh, no, 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 thank you. What, what I... Uh, for the last hour, ever since she left, I was wondering what I would say to you. I decided to tell you the truth. About what? Well, Tommy, you'd better forget about Martha. Why? Because I think she's forgotten about you. She's gone to the dance in Forest Grove. Alone? No. With Harry Barnes. Harry Barnes? Well, he came here and he said, Would you like to go to the dance? And she said she was engaged to you. And he said, Why don't you become disengaged? And she said, Why not? And off they went. Why... Oh, I, I don't believe it. I'm sorry, Tommy. It's for the best. When something is not to be, it's better to find out sooner than later. He can't do this to me. And so, in the story that Dudley has written, Tom Ditson nurses his anger and goes to Forest Grove, where practically the whole town has turned out to dance to that brand new craze, Ragtime. Oh, I didn't know you were such a marvelous dancer, Harry. Why, you 
you'll find them oh. full of surprises, Martha. Martha, what's the meaning of this? Oh, please, Tom, did you have to come here to make a scene? Oh, you're the one who made the scene in the first place by coming here with, with him when the whole town knows you and I are engaged? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Tom. Oh, Martha, don't you see? Don't you see? He's only doing this to make a story for his newspaper. I am doing this because I happen to be in love with her. And I'm in love with him. I'm sorry. It's, it's how these things happen. Harry, you said to me, you said, if I should steal your fiancé, that would be news, wouldn't it? Well, well, it's turning into a bigger news item than you thought. Harry, he's got a gun! But you won't live to write it! No! And so Tom kills Harry. And although his lawyer pleaded the unwritten law, the tough old judge would have none of it, and neither would the jury. Murder is murder, and murderers must hang. There was no plea bargaining in those days. Do you see what I was trying to do in the story, Sam? Yeah, I suppose. A casual sort of wager in a bar ends in the death of the man who made it. You had no trouble killing Harry. Why? Because he was a bit of a scoundrel, right? Yes. But I didn't want Tom to die, too. Well, how did you hope to prevent it? Well, I thought... The unwritten law. I thought the jury would sympathize with him. Well, you could have made them do it. It was your jury. Yeah, but I... I lost control of them. Mm, probably because you didn't plot them carefully enough. Sam, I know all about plotting. But that's what they went ahead and did. You have to end the story and deliver it. Which means that you have to kill Tom. So he has got to climb up that scaffold and that is all there is to the thing. I can't, Sam. Dudley, you always saw Tom as a nice young fellow, right? Yes. Change him. How? Make him the villain. Make it all Tommy's fault. Now, here, I'll help you. There. Now, you sit down and you write. Make Tommy a thoroughly detestable person. Have him steal Harry's fiancé. But it isn't the same story. It'll be a better one. Why? Because it's your idea? You have a reporter create a news item which is basically the story of his own death. Switch it. Have a lawyer make a bet which he wins, but loses. Oh, I don't know, Sam. I don't know if I can do it. You have got to do it, Dudley. It's the only way you can finish him off. Have Harry kill him. Now, look. You rewrite the opening scene. Have Tom bet Harry that he can steal Martha, who happens to be Harry's fiancée. Well, what are you waiting for? It'll soon be morning. All right. All right. Personally, I thought it would make a much better story myself. And so, here is what Dudley did with it. We're in the same saloon. Tom, who is now a villain, is having a drink. Harry stops by. Well, if it isn't the crusading journalist. How are you this evening, Mr. Joe Pulitzer? Hello, John. How about a drink? No, thank you. Oh, too good to drink with me. No, I don't drink. Then you're too good to be true. What are you doing in a place like this? I'm looking for news. <laughs> and if you can't find any, you'll make some. Hey, if you'll excuse me... You mean, you fellas never manufacture any news? 
to help out on a dull day? You're an attorney. You should know better than to make charges that can't be supported by facts. Well, it's very touching. Well, I can help you make up a new story. Oh, thank you. I'm not interested. You should be. It concerns you. In what way? In a most personal way. You just announced your engagement to Martha Loomis. Well, how does that concern you? I'll bet you I can get her to break it. Good night, Harry. You afraid to bet? I wouldn't want to take your money. <laughs> I wouldn't hesitate to take yours. Good night, Mr. Barnes. Just remember we got a bet. The prize is Martha herself. Wasn't a bad scene. I would have given it more color, but Dudley never was at ease in saloons. Well, now we go to Martha's home the next evening, just as we did in the original version. Except this time, the visitor is Harry, since Martha is his fiance. Oh, good evening, Mrs. Lomas. Oh, uh, yes. Good evening, Harry. Uh, would you tell Martha I'm here? Well, uh, Martha isn't home uh, just now. She isn't? She, uh... But she was expecting me. Did she say where she was going? Harry, please come in. Is something the matter, Miss Loomis? Well, ever since she left, I, I was wondering what I should do. What should I say to you when you arrived here? And I decided the best thing is always the truth. Especially when there's no help for it. The truth about what? People are strange. People in love are even stranger. You'd best forget about Martha. Forget about Martha? Why? Because it's obvious she's forgotten about you. She's gone to the dance in Forest Grove. Alone? No. With Tom Bitson. Well, that... That can't be. It's true. I have my tongue for weeks now. They've been carrying on together. What are you saying? He can't do this to me. And so, in the new version of the story that Dudley has written, at my suggestion, it's Harry who nurses his anger and goes on to Forest Grove, where practically the whole town has turned out to dance to that brand new musical craze, Ragtime. Oh, you'll find I'm filled with surprises, Martha. Martha, what's the meaning of this? Oh, please, Harry, did, did you have to come here to make a scene? Martha, we're engaged. He's only doing this to win a bet. I'm doing this because I happen to be in love with her. And I happen to be in love with him. He's lying, Martha. Now, Harry, why don't you just run along? Three's a crowd, you know. I won't let you ruin her life. Tom, he's got a gun. No, Harry! I'll no. stop you. Oh, no, no, you won't. Oh, somebody! Somebody do something! Drop that gun! Drop that gun or I'll... Oh. Well, we 
reenacted it, haven't we? We've changed the nature of the characters involved. And this should solve the problem, shouldn't it? But how? This is only the end of Act Two. Further developments shortly. lays careful plans for the construction of a house and it all looks marvelous on paper but once it's up the plumbing may not work the roof leaks the basement floods after a while the whole place might collapse why is it different with writers who make such careful plans for their stories And so that is how I convinced Dudley to solve the problem. Get Harry to Forest Grove and kill Tom in a jealous rage. But do you know something? Dudley fouled the whole thing up again. Huh? Here it is. Read it. Uh, let me see. Harry and Tom struggled for the gun. Suddenly, there was a shot. Harry fell dead. Harry... Dudley, what are you doing? Isn't the whole point to have Harry kill Tom? Yes, yes, I know, but I... But what? Uh, it wouldn't write itself that way. What do you mean, write itself? It doesn't write itself. You write it. Please, Sam, it just came out that way. Well, so what have you gained? I think I finally achieved reality. What reality? That Harry is really a basically stuffed shirt. Had he been a more interesting fella, Martha would never have left him. And what about Tom? He's going to go free. But he killed a man. In self-defense. Well, all right, Dudley. Make your jury arrive at that verdict and you are home. It was a story. I would not have written it, but then again, well, why say more? And so he is writing the trial scene. The prosecutor is summing up. I see a strange light in Dudley's eyes. Now the prosecutor begins to wax eloquent. A danger sign. Self-defense? Really, gentlemen? I call it murder. Deliberately provoked murder. Here is Mr. Tom Ditson, known to be a rake, a man utterly without morals. And he is six feet tall. He weighs 180 pounds. He is known to be a bully. There was Mr. Harry Barnes, five feet five inches tall, weighing 150, mild, unassuming, gentle. I say to you that Tom Ditson, desiring to extend his salacious love affair with Martha Loomis, deliberately provoked Harry Barnes into a fight, and thus, in cold blood, under the appearance of self-defense, killed him. What do you think of it? Well, it's not bad. The jury returns with the verdict of murder in the first degree. And Tommy must hang. 
Well, I thought that the whole idea was to have Harry kill Tommy because you couldn't hang him. Uh, yes, yes, but the prosecutor simply got away from me. Wasn't that a splendid speech? Dudley, do you realize that it is four o'clock in the morning, way past bedtime for a couple of old duffers like us? All right, all right. I can write the last paragraph easily enough now. Uh, and so, Tom Dixon was now mount those steps to where the executioner waits to dispatch him... To eternity. No, no. Oh, good Lord. He's here again. Tom is here. You can't kill me. You deserve to die. I'm innocent. You deserve it. Where's Sam Clemens? He's Mark Twain. Ask him. He's the greatest living writer in America. Uh, now, Tom, I am sorry, but it, well, it just has to be that way. Why? Because it was murder. You did provoke him, didn't you? Yes, maybe I did. Well, there you have it. Yeah, but whose idea was it? It was Dudley's. Huh? Didn't you say a character in fiction can have no thoughts of his own? The only ones he has is those the writer gives him? Huh? Didn't you say that? I, I, I may have. So? There's no help for it, Tom. You have to die. But why? Because, quite frankly, he has to deliver the story to the magazine which has already paid for it. Give back the money. I can't. I... I've already spent it. That isn't my fault. No, no, just listen, Tom. Dudley will make it up to you. <laughs> How? Well, first you have to climb that scaffold and die like a good fella. And then, um... Yeah, yeah, then what? I got it. Dudley will send you to heaven. Where you will have a wonderful time. Doing what? Playing a harp? Well, would you rather go to the other place? I don't see why I should go any place at all. I didn't do anything wrong. Please, Tom, you've got to help me. No matter how I write the story, it always comes out that you were found guilty and are sentenced to hang. I simply can't make it work out any other way. That's your problem. I'm not going to climb up those stairs. Sam, what am I going to do? You just sit down at your machine. I can't kill him. Those eyes, they're going to stare at me for the rest of my life. Sam, help me. I tried to help you. Try again. Quit fighting it. Tom is guilty. No! Now you just shut up, Tom. You just be thankful that you are one of Dudley's characters, because if you were one of mine... Oh, what's your idea, Sam? <sighs> Take... Either version of the story. Tom the Saint or Tom the Sinner. Have him mount the scaffold. Yes? The executioner places on the hood, adjusts the noose. Sam, what are you saying? All is in readiness. We have that final pregnant moment when the whole world seems to stand still. And then, a shout is heard. Reprieve! The governor has granted a reprieve! <laughs> you see, and thus Tom is saved. Now, will that satisfy you, Tom? Well, do you have to cut it so close? Well, you have to give Dudley a chance to build up suspense. Although I do admit that suspense was never his long suit. So, 
Are you in the clear, finally? Why should the governor grant a reprieve? What reason would he have? Dudley, do you expect me to write that for you, too? What do you mean, too? What else have you written for me? No, it's late. Now, here's something that is just as good as anything else. Um, have the governor grant a reprieve because the governor is Martha's uncle. Uh, uncle? Well, wouldn't that be nepotism? Well, sure, but that's what makes the world go round. Oh, wait. I can do it. A tremendous character study. My advice to you is don't. Oh, Sam, 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 it's too good. Now, now put yourself in the governor's position. On the one hand, people will say he did it because he was her uncle. But on the other hand... Yes, the other. Can he be so anxious to avoid the appearance of favoritism that he would deny justice? Don't you see? He's damned if he does, and damned if he doesn't. Dudley, please don't get involved with that. Just just have him do the reprieve. All I have to do is write the scene where Martha goes to her uncle and begs for clemency. And he did. And it wasn't a bad scene, that is, for Dudley. A bit florid for my taste, but... Uh, Adequate. Please, Uncle. He's too young to die. He killed a man. He was provoked. Yes, he should be punished. And he is. Every day he must live with that memory. I know, child. I know. I I shall have to reach a decision. The date has been set for next week. I must have time to think, to, to, to study. And I must get away from here, from all the distractions and pressures. I'll go to San Francisco. Well, but that's all the way across the country. Well, there is the telephone, my dear. Oh, Uncle, please. Please save him. I'll do what's just, my dear. Well? Why does he have to go all the way to San Francisco? To plant a suspicion in the reader's mind. What kind of suspicion? Well, perhaps that there could be something wrong with the telephone wires. Dudley, it is 6 a.m. Finish the story. All right, Sam. Here it goes. And now, Tom Dixon must mount the scaffold where the executioner waits. Oh, no. I'm not going up there. But you're going to get a reprieve. Oh, why can't I get it right now? Because I owe my editor another 500 words. Now, please, Tom, be a good fellow. Climb up. I won't let them hang. The hangman nods curtly. He is about to go to work. He will place the hood over Tom Bitson's head. No, 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 he won't. Tom! No, I, no, I don't trust you. But I swear to you... Well, where's the reprieve? I mean, where is that reprieve? All right, all right. No hood. But I have to have that rope around your neck. And now, the noose... Oh, it stretches. Yes, only for a minute. The hangman glances at the warden for the signal. The fatal 
signal. Yeah, this is it. The reprieve. Get me the reprieve now. He does have a point there, Dudley. If you're going to reprieve him, do it. Ah, yes, I will. The reprieve. The hope and longing for it shines in poor Tom Dixon's eyes. Will there be a reprieve? There must be a reprieve. The governor is Martha's uncle. He promised, oh, please don't hang me. But, uh, yeah, but... uh, What do you mean, but, Dudley? What kind of a but? Sam, wait till you hear this one. You've never put such a twist into any of your stories. Wait till you hear this. The warden shakes his head. He sighs. I'm sorry, he says. And you can see, he is genuinely sorry. The governor will be unable to give you a reprieve. You see, my boy, they have just had this terrible earthquake in San Francisco. And we've just been notified the governor has been killed. You promised me. You promised you me. You did promise him, Dudley. I can't help it, Sam. I lose control of my characters. They have lives, thoughts, ideas of their own. Well, what are you going to do with poor Tom Ditson up on the scaffold? Sam, can you think of something? Well, he has to hang. No. I can't do it to him, Sam. I can't. Sam, listen. To what? Don't you hear it? Hey, uh, what, what is that? They're coming after me. Who is? All the characters I ever wrote. All the ones I ever killed, sent to prison, doomed to unhappiness. All the spinsters I deprived of true love, or any love. All the children who suffered poverty. Oh, Sam. Sam, they're coming after me. Save me, Sam. Save me. Dudley, Dudley, what is it? Sam, from now on, be good to everyone you write. Promise me. Otherwise, they'll come after you. in the sanitarium. I don't know if it's going to do him any good. Is uh, that what happens to writers when they reach a certain age? Who knows? What's that? What happened to poor Tom Ditson? Well, as far as I know, he's still standing there on the scaffold, waiting. As it looks now, he cannot be reprieved. But neither can he be hung. So, he's in limbo, like so many of the rest of us. Yes, as Mr. Twain so neatly puts it, we are, so many of us, in limbo, living in suspension, moving neither forward or backward. Immobile as we wait for things that will never happen. But I can tell you something that will happen shortly. I shall return.
characters a writer creates suddenly rise up to overwhelm him? Probably. Writers are like everyone else. They have difficulty when it comes to controlling their fancies. Look at where fancies may lead to murder, destruction. The fancies of some maniacs have repeatedly almost destroyed the world. At least the fancies of a writer are expended on a sheet of paper. Thus, he is able to maintain his sanity. Sometimes. Our cast included Norman Rose, Robert Dryden, E.V. Juster, and Christopher Tabori. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown.